You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Monday. It is time for a Mental <laughs> Health Monday with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman in just a moment. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting The Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. It is time to check in with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman for Mental Health Monday. Happy Monday, Heidi. Happy Monday. We are continuing our conversation on generativity today and looking forward to learning more about this as I aim to, my goal today is to not mispronounce the word um, five times throughout the program. So, <laughs> yeah, that was good. Uh, and that was to good. learn something too. That's, that's one, that's a minor goal. So also to learn something as well. Where are we going today with the generativity? Today, we're going to talk about building generativity. So last time we really talked about what it was and just a, a quick recap that it has to do with our awareness of the generations to come, if you will, biblically, that we are not the be all end all of this life in this world, neither is our generation or the generations that surround us, but that there is more to come. And so I think that is a cool connection between uh, what we would call legacy in, you know, secular psychology and um, our understanding of what we want to do in this developmental stage and our scriptural understanding. We all want to do something that matters. We want to leave something behind, if you will. And and for a lot of people, that has to do with their family. And that is certainly true and good. Generativity, however, has to do a lot more with the uh, wideness of the generations around us. And so it isn't just about even our family unit and what we're leaving for them, but that we're leaving something for the world at large, if you will. And so it has to do with change making and making a difference. And we're going to talk with uh, Dr. Kim Markshausen, who is a Lutheran educator and educational psychologist. Um, she's you know also located here in Nebraska, so we're blessed to have her here. But she works with all kinds of different districts and different um schools across the nation, Lutheran and not Lutheran. And she's going to help us understand a little bit of the cognitive needs that we have in being able to uh, get to a place where we want to make a difference um, or uh, some of the developmental layers that go into that. And so I'm looking forward to that. That's Mental Health Monday on Heidi Gaiman Wright's Facebook Live at noon Central Standard Time today. And that will be archived on the Heidi Gaiman Wright's YouTube channel too. And so you can find that at HeidiGaiman.com tomorrow. Have I said my name enough? I feel like <laughs> <laughs> I just to remember said who it you a million are. times, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's if you're looking for a little bit more of like, hey, I am not in a, a how should I make a difference place or do I care about making a difference place? That's another resource for you to understand a little bit about what might be going on in the cognitive places, some of the layers that we need. So today we're going to talk about building that in us too in other places uh, beyond that cognitive place, if you will. And so looking at generativity, what does it do for us? Uh, there are a lot of health benefits to generativity. Research suggests that generativity can provide a greater motivation to initiate and maintain healthy behaviors. If you think about this, um, and Andy, I know that you have a lot to, of training in physical fitness and health and what that looks like for people and also motivation for change, right? And so generativity and building generativity also builds this place where we want to take care of our physical health and physical health and taking care of our physical health can build generativity too. 
They go hand in hand. Why? Because we need motivation for the long haul to make meaningful change for even our habits and our physical health. We need it to matter more than just, hey, um, I'm going to feel better tomorrow, right? If we want some meaningful change. If I want to get up in the morning and pretend I need to get up at 5 a.m. or I need to get up at 6 a.m. or I need to just get moving, um, especially as I get older, that gets more and more challenging. And that is not a small thing. And so I need a bigger picture that's going to help me get there. That's what generativity does for our motivation for physical health changes. And then when we have some physical health changes going on, then we're more capable of looking at generativity and being like, oh, I'm capable of making some changes in the world around me. Um, does that make sense? I wonder, I'm curious, mm -hmm. Andy, have you seen any of that um, for people and, and goal setting and habits? Sure, sure. Uh, it, you know, we can, sometimes we set goals or we, we want to, we're motivated to make a, a change in our physical health because of something that I would say is, is perhaps a bit more law oriented in that um, uh, I, I received a, a diagnosis, uh, high cholesterol or, or high blood pressure or something like that. And the doctor says, you got to lose uh, X amount of pounds to get this under control. And so, or, or um, if you don't, the consequences are going to be, you know, not only poor health, but maybe even death. And so sometimes that, that kind of threatening news can mm. motivate us mm. to physical change but generally it's not it's not really like long-term change necessarily that's i think right. where the generativity the comes into play is when yeah. you can yeah. see the big right. picture um it might mm -hmm. be enough to make a change for uh, a little while or at least to take some first mm -hmm. steps um but mm -hmm. the the big picture has mm -hmm. to come along somewhere in there in order for there to be really long-lasting mm -hmm. change no, 100%. And what you're saying is a psychologically research-oriented accuracy, too. Um, that was actually one thing that Kim Markshausen and I covered on the last Mental Health Monday that had to do about a little bit more about, uh, no, maybe it was two, per, two ago, that was about behavioral <laughs> change. And the reality is, is that behavioral constructs, which you're talking about is like the law orientation is I must, I should, those mm -hmm. will help us create very short term changes for either a day, a week, or maybe a season. But when we want to create lasting, meaningful, long term changes, that law orientation doesn't work. The, mm -hmm. That's where we see it more clearly than ever. Ever in even secular research that the gospel is what motivates, um, that the, the picture of our children hanging on the wall next to our treadmill is what makes us get on the treadmill, or the idea that um, we're a part of maybe a research study that helps cure Alzheimer's or cancer is going to motivate us to take care of that diagnosis and to join some kind of treatment for it. Uh, that is generativity at work, and, and I think that's a really cool um, understanding of like law gospel alive in our world around us and in ourselves, even when we don't recognize it. Good job, mm -hmm. God. <laughs> Good job, God. <laughs> um, it's almost like the things of God exist without our awareness, you know, and that we simply oh, get yeah. to be aware of them at times, right? I love that. I love that. So, um, and our mental health is stronger when we recognize them at work, when we uh, you know, work on that awareness a little bit, which is why we're working through these developmental ideas. So then the next thing that builds generativity is providing um, a depth of relationship in our lives because the relationships feed 
us. So not only do we have that, again, short-term goal, um, or sorry, short-term gain of being connected um, and able to go about our lives better, having stronger mental health because we have people in them, but the depth of relationship builds this idea that I want the world to be a better place, that it's not all about me. And so what do I mean by depth of relationship? I mean, you know, not just talking about the weather, but being together in the deeper topics, the bigger issues in our life and in ourselves sharing in vulnerability, there's that word again, uh, <laughs> who we are and being willing to accept that from other people and bring grace into those conversations. Um, for many adults, parenting plays a key role in the development of our sense of generativity. But I think this is a really cool place again, where the church is clearer um, and has a better understanding that we can maybe offer our community and the world around us that we don't define family simply by parents and children. Instead, it's this wider concept that we are doing life together. We're supposed to be in it together, that you don't need to bear children or you don't need to be, um, you know, to you could be the orphan, if you will, like your parents might be gone. Uh, you are still wrapped up in what we call family in the body of Christ. And so we uh, are expected to be in a depth of relationship in family relationships. Um, and that's a good thing. That's that's the way God built it. Um, and so as the body of Christ, we can go out into the world and honor that. Erickson, who is the father of the developmental theories that we're working through and others have built on it and expanded it, suggested that participating in the lives of others, whether there are children or the children of our friends, or others in our community, in our neighborhoods, is an important way to gain a sense of contributing and making a difference in the world. And so, again, I just think it's really awesome when our research and our uh, psychological understandings just give a high five to what God already said in scripture, that this is where we're supposed to be building depth of relationship with one another. So my Andy and Sarah question uh, is where do you see life together in the world around you apart from parenting and family? Like, where do you see that at work, that generativity at work? So many places. <laughs> I was just making a list. Um, I think being a baptism sponsor is a huge one in the church uh, because you kind of, you gain another part of a family uh, in your own church and um, other places, I mean, in church, like in choir or in LWML, uh, men's groups, those kinds of things. But then outside of of that church family, there's also, I mean, my college friends and I, I mean, we still talk to each other nearly every day via online messenger, thanks to technology, um, you know, things like that. Uh, and, and other online groups, um, even though they're not in quote unquote real life, have been a huge a huge place for that because we have that that intergenerational way of interacting with each other in in this in the online group. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, you know, uh, Darcy Poppy wrote a book about mentoring. The name of it is escaping me right now, um, but CPH is the publisher, and it's only a couple years old. And she has taken all this research, both scripturally and also within psychology and uh, sociology, and the roles within the church, but then also in workplaces and neighborhoods and all of that, and looked really closely at this kind of intergenerational approach to life. And so, I think mentoring is a one 
way that generativity is built, that when we choose to engage in someone's life and believe we have something to offer someone and that someone else might have something to offer us uh, that is really growth oriented, that is a good place to be, a really good place to be. And I think you're so right about baptism sponsors and um I think those are intended to be more than just like standing next to someone at the font. Mm-hmm. And we would all agree. Instead, it's it's that life together and celebrating once a year what an awesome gift that child is and that God has proclaimed that. And then also the in-between, you know, mm-hmm. of life together. Where are you going to school? How was your day today? That's generativity. And that also builds generativity in us because you're not at the generativity phase, Sarah, right? That's <laughs> no. <laughs> where you're at. Um, at the same time, you can see how these developmental uh, levels layer on each other that you certainly experience generativity and it's not relegated to just 60 year olds. Instead, uh, it's been part of your life already and it will come back again. There's simply a phase where it becomes alive in technicolor, if you will, that that's the thing we're working on in our life. And I am, I appreciate that Kim Marks hasn't sent me an email and she said, this is my phase. I'm really excited to talk about it. And so it is kind of cool. <laughs> we, we can appreciate where each other is at. And, and there's wisdom in hearing from people that are in those phases, what their experiences are. So one thing that builds generativity is talking to someone who's gone through it, right? Talking to someone who has gone before us, if you will, in that cloud of witness way. So it's probably time Mm. for a break. It is. It is time for a break. And you know what is a sign that you're close to that stage of generativity when you reference Mm. things like Technicolor? That is true, but it's such a great term. It is. What's the, should I say Dolby surround sound? I don't know. Like, what do I say? Like, what is it now? It is It is mm. Mental Health Monday. We're talking with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman about generativity. We have more to talk about in just a moment. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Mental Health Monday. We are talking and we are talking with Heidi Gaiman about building generativity. All right, Heidi, where would you like for us to go from here? Okay, so we are going to keep going. There's a couple more things we're going to talk about that build generativity. And then we are going to talk about those uh, scriptural tools we have to build generativity as well. 
We talked about some of them a little bit last week when we were looking at different scripture verses. And we're going to dive in a little bit more about how those work in our lives and what they look like in order to build generativity. We're not going to get to all of them. And so we will address some of them next week in our roadblocks to generativity too. We'll talk about overcoming those roadblocks through them. So one of the things that builds generativity we know is finding community involvement you know, being involved in the community around us rather than um, only our own lives, like go, getting up and going to work and coming home and eating our food and, and all of that. I do think this is important. And I'll take a step out in my social justice major role and say that as the church and as members of the church, we can find generativity in doing things for the church, but the research shows that we find generativity when we do things in our community. And so, yes, our church is a portion of that, but I think sometimes we trade in community involvement for church involvement. And we want both of those things. And we want ideally them to come through the church. That would be really great if our church was concerned about the community around them and we were doing things with that. That's what outreach is, right? I think, unfortunately, sometimes in our attempts to shelter our children or in our attempts to maybe shelter ourselves, even from the world, quote unquote, we uh, don't get ourselves involved in the community around us. And it's a protective factor. That's a defense mechanism, if you will. Uh, it's important we know from scripture to walk into people's messes, to walk into the mess of our community and to be present. And that's something that Jesus and the disciples did regularly, but that is also something that we are called to do today here. And that builds generativity. And so I just don't want someone to confuse, I think, what we say when we mean community involvement. It's really, it's really easy to get a pass and be like, well, I set up chairs for church on Sundays, so I'm involved in my community. There is some truth in that, but we're looking for something a little bit deeper and wider, if you will. Generativity is about the wideness of seeing a bigger lens of the people around us and the people who are coming after us. So participating in the world around us in general will feed generativity, um, but then it's really kind of cool because generativity, considering generations and the generations to come and the generations around us, will feed our participation. We want to be involved maybe as a mentor at a school because we notice the needs around us. And so they feed one another. Generative people are productive in a variety of ways that can include teaching and mentoring and volunteering. It can be setting up chairs. Don't get me wrong. That's just as important as someone who's doing the upfront work, if you will. Uh, but it's not, it's not meant to glorify productivity. Instead, it is glorifying the relationships and the connections that God is creating. Those are the things that will sustain over time. You know, you never sit, you never hear someone say someone made a difference uh, because they live next door. It, someone made a difference because we had a relationship. And that's what builds generativity when we talk about a sense of community. So the last thing I would say that we hear secularly uh, that is true biblically as well is making tiny contributions. So you don't, again, you don't have to do the big thing that feels overwhelming. Instead, we make 
small contributions to the lives of those around us, to the things in our neighborhood, to the places in our communities. And that gives us a sense of fulfillment. Um, I think, I think for Christians, we can see God's presence and his connecting work when we have a sense of that contribution, when we're able to see it instead of it so often is under the covers, if you will, or under the table. We are doing things all the time that contribute or that connect to other people. Sometimes uh, we need to have a sense of that and awareness of it and have God bring it to mind, if you will, through the Holy Spirit. Um, and so go out and contribute. I think of Thrivent Grants, how how much that helps people contribute. That's builds generativity in people's lives is when they feel like the barrier of like finances has been taken off the table so they can go contribute in some way or another. So I know that uh, Sarah has been doing some pretty awesome research on some stories of generativity in people's lives, some stories of legacy. And so, Sarah, you're going to share some with us in the coming episodes, too. But do you mind sharing one of those with us now, maybe? Sure. Yeah, I, I have so many. Picking just one for right now was really, really hard. Um, but yet these are these are part of the story time with Sarah episodes of the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. And I kind of pour myself into this historical research and it's super fun. Um, so the mm -hmm. one that I will share with you today is about Gertrude Simon, who was um, one of, I mean, how many numerous Lutheran women missionaries throughout our history. Um, she was born in 1900 on a farm in Wisconsin, went through Lutheran education. So there's a generativity point of all of the Lutheran teachers that she had. Um, she and her brother ended up going to St. Louis for education. He went to the seminary. She went to the nursing school at the Lutheran hospital where she got her nurse's cap in 1926. And during that time, her brother actually went to be a missionary in China. So she knew about this, this missionary uh, thing that, that she got actually really excited about. So she ended up going to be a missionary in Hankow, China in 1927 and served there during a time of a lot of political conflict. If, if you've done any research on politics in Asia during that time, it was, there was a lot of upheaval going on. So she, hmm. uh, and that, that time also included uh, World War II. Um, and during that time, during World War II, and this is a long story, but I'll make it short because we don't have a lot of time. Uh, she and uh, several other adults saved 22 infant orphans from imminent danger in the middle of a Japanese invasion of China in 1943 by carrying them 200 miles on foot through the mountains to safety. It is an incredible story. Um, you can actually read about it. There's a book called One Cup of Water that tells her story and the story of a few mm. other missionaries during this time. It is incredible. Um, and she actually mm. kept on working in China and Hong Kong for another 20 years doing missionary work through a lot more political conflict. Um, and one of her students actually became the president of the Hong Kong Lutheran Church. So that's another generativity point that her legacy mm -hmm. kept going on after her time there. It's It's a really incredible story. Yeah, absolutely. And I think sometimes in Lutheranism, we can do this thing where we're like, we just leave, you know, we just go do things. And then like the generativity and the making a difference magically appears. And that that is true. Like the Holy Spirit is going to do the work without us. Right. And I think when we hear stories like that, we think, oh, the humility, like she just went out and did the thing and she wasn't concerned and wrapped up in uh 
what she looked like in that and everything. And so don't misunderstand. I don't think generativity is about glorifying ourselves. And I think these stories usually show us that. However, those people are aware of difference making. You know, they're aware that God's eternal gift of salvation and his um, deep love for people and humankind, uh, so much so that he sent Jesus, that is what feeds them. And that is generativity and an awareness of wanting generativity in their lives. And I think that's a really powerful thing when we hear the stories of legacy and the stories of generativity. So we're going to go over more um, in the coming weeks. I think we'll take our scriptural scriptural tools, if you will, and put them into next week's episode with roadblocks to generativity. That'll give the listener a reason to come back, right? Um, <laughs> and just know that, that that story you just shared, that's one huge component that we're going to talk about next time is witness. What is your witness? Mm -hmm. Which is essentially what is your story? What is God doing in your life and through you? And it, it gets way more simple, the idea of witness, than we make it, I think, a lot of times. So we'll talk about that more next week with Roadblocks to Generativity. Very good. Very good. And Sarah, can you include the link to the Ladies' Lounge story that you just shared? Um, yeah, in the, the program notes story? I thought that would be great. So we yeah. can uh, hear the rest of that story because yeah, it's a longer <laughs> story. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us for the Coffee Hour today. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Anywhere.